wait, so we need we need you to stay on just to upload the nope. audio? No? Nope. Oh. Wow. Wait, did you switch to a different audio service? No. Oh my God, you guys love each other so much. There's no (laughs) resentment in your voice. (laughs) There's no anger. I'd be like, so what? Oh, what? You changed? Okay, so I don't need to? Like that, there was so much love in your heart with that. No disgust or anything. Well, it's really hard because he's from the UK, as you know. And I'm a loud as fuck American. And so for the (laughs) longest time, he'd be like, you are yelling at me. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm not yelling. This is me agreeing with you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, this is me being madly in love with you. (laughs) We're soulmates. (laughs) Like, Why do I feel attacked? Yeah, totally. Oh, that's so funny. Thing is, I know you're doing that ignorantly, but that is literally how <laughs> you eat or drink anything. Okay, first of all, you're going to start this by dragging me for have for flexing, but with flexing my, with my YouTube mug. Anyway, you guys, it is we are five months into the core core core. Thank you. I'm still not wearing pants. I've noticed. Yeah, I don't even wear them when I FaceTime my parents. They're so, no. it's like, <laughs> I'm doing freaking Les Miserables, like, extreme close-up because I don't want to, like, flash on my hands. The amount of time I've seen you on, like, a call, and I'm like, <laughs> she's she's risking it there. Like, I, I'm like, why take the chance? All right, let's talk about today's episode. What, what? Hoo-hoo. I... That's right. That's what, the, that's what you do, right? Have you listen to anyone else talk and then look <laughs> look three months of only seeing you five months five months of only just seeing you and my wants what's your point it's it's a different planet out there <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying because you've been you've been on lockdown with me i've brought you down in terms of your vocabulary speaking- yes that's what before we get into the episode that's what bake off and i do um anytime we fart we agree to disagree so back to today's episode um okay for real for real let's get to the episode at hand today Mm -hmm. we are talking about money Cash, greenbacks, scratch, whatever you want to, what do you call it? Pence? Quid. 
Oh. <laughs> Sixpence none the richer. Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> Sixpence and a half. <laughs> Is that what you were preferring? No, the band, six Sixpence None the Richer. Never heard of them. How has my black ass heard of fucking Sixpence None the Richer? And you have it? Because you have the music taste of a 40-year-old divorced True. father. <laughs> Okay, but for real. Okay, so we're talking about money today. I'm very excited because we have Whitney Cummings on, my dear friend. She's hilarious. She's fantastic. She has Netflix specials, HBO specials. She's written New York Times bestselling book. She has an amazing podcast that I've been a guest on called Good For You. It is... <laughs> it's a big deal podcast, but I wanted to talk about money because I feel like you know, I've had a lot of shame about about it. I think a lot of people have, and I know. But I definitely this... have, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's such a taboo subject, especially in like taboo, taboo. What did I say? Taboo, taboo. taboo? You know who else says taboo? Fucking Gordon Ramsay. Coming mm -hmm. from jolly old England, where <laughs> you barely speak about anything you feel anyway, right. money is just like yeah. you run when people start talking about money, and you would never ever ask anyone about money right well i mean that that honestly that does seem wild to me maybe it's because i live in new york and like everything is like how much is that where you mm. get this for what's your rent for like people like need to know because we're trying to survive in it's, a city it's that's not just so america in general though where it's all about showing how much you're worth no but i don't mean it like in that way i mean it more like Okay, I'm looking for an apartment. I want to get a one bedroom. Realistically, what can I get? How mm. much did you pay? You know what I mean? That sort of yeah, thing yeah, to yeah, like, because yeah, yeah. we're busy trying to survive. Mr. That's what they do in America. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, you're looking at me like you love me. Oh. <laughs> 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 but okay so i'm really excited for today's episode i think it was so funny it was really open and honest and i think whitney and i as two women talking about like being uncomfortable with money negotiations getting rid of shame sort of like learning about money in a way where you can you know like we're, you're not taught it in school no it's like Which I'm very surprised at like I I do think that you should it's the most important thing in certainly this country and a lot yeah. of countries where finance is just such an important part of everything so yeah why is no one ever taught that at school I mean talk to Trump I'm good <laughs> All right you guys enjoy this conversation with the queen Whitney I, by the way, I don't know if we've started yet, but if we have, how about me in a full panic last night, worried that I need to have seen Frasier <laughs> to do your podcast? I was like, I have to go watch Frasier. <laughs> and you hit me up across multiple platforms. It was like Instagram DM, text message. You're like, do I need to watch Frasier? And I'm like, I, I haven't seen Frasier. It's fine. <laughs> I I Instagrammed you and then worried you weren't going to check that. So to, how insecure am I? 
<laughs> so sad. You're not the first person. When I interviewed Hassan, he was like, do I like really have to be up on Frasier? And I feel like I'm scaring people into... <laughs> It's just so, so weird. Like, I didn't watch Frasier very much. I, yeah. I, In fact, I don't think I watched it at all. Yeah. <laughs> it made me feel stupid, and I didn't appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I just, I never got around to it. I think my dad watched it here and there, and I, it just, uh-huh. didn't, it didn't take. Yeah, it didn't yeah. stick. I remember there being yeah. a dog and being like, okay. Yeah. And then I was, I watched Small Wonder, Mr. Belvedere, like, yes. Full House. I was, like, mm-hmm. one of those. And, like... A different world in Living Single. Yes. Yes, I'm rewatching Living Single with Bay as I say this, and it is so good. I'm like, they so like Queen Latifah should have been nominated for an Emmy. She's so funny. Absolutely. Can't Kim imagine Coles. why she wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Can't just racking my brain. Um, but yes, I wish they would do a reboot or something of that. Me too. I think I think out of the quarantine they will because like it is such a funny show and they all like each other. So that Oh, that's in, like a, uh, in real life. Yeah, I think they all like get along in real life, which is great. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. such a fan. But yes, this is not about Frasier. I just like to give advice and I'm black. So I was like, black Frasier, it'll be fun. <laughs> <That's so> fun. <laughs> You give such good advice. You know, I don't know if I'm allowed to. Am I allowed to start with something? Yeah, of course. Say something. You said something to me that really blew my mind once. I don't know if I've told you this. Like, I feel like I was trying to be your friend. Yeah. And we were kind of circling each other and we weren't quite (laughs) friends yet. And I was trying to be your friend. And every time we hung out, I was so insecure that I had to. I'm, I'm insecure often in friendships that I have to provide like uh, resources or be super useful or uh, bestow advice or something. Like I have to earn my place in a friendship and it's just an insecurity. And so every time we'd hang out, we would sort of talk about work. And I think also as to, as you know, female comics, like it is such a grind and you do have to work twice as hard to get half as much. And it is such a weird and we had connected over certain odd things in the in the business and dynamics. So we would hang out and I would be like, you know, here's how we do this. And here's and what about this deal? And should you do a studio deal? And I always just thought that I had to be like talking shop or something to yeah. be worth your time. Oh. And then we were at lunch one day. And I don't really, you like asked me something like, what's going on with who you're dating? And she goes, and you were like, I know we like only talk about work, but what's going on with the guy you're dating or something? (laughs) It was just such a subtle way of saying like, you don't have to do this. Like we can be real friends. And I really appreciated it. Oh my gosh, it's so sweet. I mean, I felt like I'm this like, you are so established. Your career has so like, you've done so many things that I was sort of like, oh, I got to like, have my type five of conversation. You know what I mean? (laughs) I feel so much pressure, I guess, to help people, you know, like people Mm. in this business because I feel like I didn't get that and I sometimes mix up like friendship with like constantly trying to just like help people uh, advance themselves or like bestow on them all of the things I learned the hard way and like give people shortcuts. I think that that's sort of my job in a friendship. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's that actually like perfectly sums up this podcast, especially with today's episode, because we're talking about money and I fucked up so many times with money and I really wanted to do this episode with you because you're 
So go ahead and cough. It's, I, you know what? <laughs> it's, I can't believe you just called me out on that. I, I was going to close my mouth and cough and have my brain explode inside my head before I, before you thought I had Miss Rona. I am so afraid to just normally cough. It's a dry cough. It, or it's yeah. not a dry cough. It's a wet cough. That was a very wet cough. <laughs> Excuse me. I was never taught about money growing mm-hmm. up. And money, it's interesting because I was also taught that wanting money was shameful. Mm. I don't know if it's being a woman or because I grew up with, you know, uh, Catholicism in my life, Christianity in my life. I also think, you know, there's the logistics of learning about money, what a 401k is, what a pension is, how to pay your taxes, how to save your money, what interest is, et cetera, which I didn't learn until way late in life, like 30 And I had to actively seek it out. Mm-hmm. No one goes out of their way to sit women down and teach them about money. <laughs> yeah, They say, look a certain way so that you can find a man who has money. <laughs> Act yeah. a certain way, right? Here's a self-help book to figure out how to get a husband. Like, we're not taught how to um, be self-sufficient. Uh, and I didn't realize until later that I had so much shame wrapped up in mm. having money, earning money, wanting money asking for a raise there's a little bit of you're greedy who do you think you are yeah uh and it, i still am working through that i'm still working through you're paying me this amount which is probably a it's a lot comparatively yeah. you know to maybe what a lot but you know what i deserve more because guess what if i don't ask for that some guy's gonna get it mm-hmm. the money's there it's available and I realized a lot of what was holding me back was my fear of looking tacky or greedy or money obsessed. And it took me a long time to realize. Um, and by the way, even if they say no, that's fine, too. But asking sort of knowing what you're worth, first of all, is the hardest thing in the world. Knowing your worth, knowing your value and then asking for it. And. Then factoring in taxes. I feel like we talked about this last mm-hmm. time sort of we hung out is a lot of times when we ask for a raise or go for a job, we don't think about the taxes we have to pay. We think about that. It took me so long to figure out you don't have the amount of money you have. Yeah. So if you're getting paid $10, you're, you're giving away fives. So I now am at a point where if someone offers me an amount of money for a job, I just cut it in half. And that helps me make a lot of decisions with my time because our time really is our money. So there, oftentimes I have to say no to something that seems a little bit lucrative because when I cut it in half, it's not worth my time. And it's actually better for me to say no to that job and generate income other ways with that time that is freed up. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning when you were a kid, because I know growing up, like my parents talked to us about money. We had like, you know, the piggy bank and you save and you get allowances and and like all that, like really cute sort of like fun stuff. But like we definitely like my parents definitely had like hardships and like we had like low periods and we had like periods where we were like, okay. And so, you know, I think for me, my relationship to money growing up was sort of like, oh, it's this mysterious thing that can't be figured out. And sometimes when you have, when you're flush with money, that's just like this universe blessing you. And then when it just like, you don't have any control, you know what I mean? It just feels like it comes in and goes and like, you hope you get some. And so what about you when you were a kid, like sort of what did you think about money? 
When That's they- so interesting. I learned a couple things. Mm-hmm. I never got really allowance. That was kind of, you know, uh, uh, that was not really a thing in our household. But there were gifts when I was good. So I think there was something that I learned about money that was like, it's conditional if you're a good girl or something. You get a lipstick or you get a, you know, something snazzy. So, you know, I think a lot of times that's part of why we have shame wrapped up in money, you know, because you can have a bad day at work or you can, you know, um, not think you deserve something because of some old system. So that that, that I think was unhealthy. And yes, to your point, money also was spent when we didn't have it. We were in debt a lot. Mm. Cars would be taken away. There was a lot of, you know, being called out in my school and being sent home because the tuition wasn't paid. Yet we had (gasps) a really fancy car. I think a lot of people sort of, you know, there was a lot of keeping up with the Joneses Mm -hmm. in my family. There was a lot of, you know, my mom worked in retail. She worked at Bloomingdale's and Neiman Marcus. So it was all about having the best shoes and the nicest outfit. Uh, But we'd have like, you know, the refrigerator would be empty. It was all about optics. And Mm -hmm. I think that in the 80s when I was growing up, that was very common. It was all about the flashiest thing, the fanciest shoes, the fanciest car, and going into debt. So I learned if you have $10, you spend $12. You know, if it means you're going to be accepted or you're going to be able to impress people or look like you don't need money. You know, needing money was the grossest thing you could be. Not having money was the most shameful thing sort of on the planet, which is so interesting because having it was also shameful. We've we've created this society (laughs) where if you don't have it, you're shamed. And if you have it, you're shamed. Um, So it was a lot of like, you know, my mom would have, I remember she had like a Chanel purse. Looking back, maybe it was fake. I don't know. But I remember just like, like carrying that around and people treating me differently. Like when I would go to the grocery Mm. store with her and I would hold it and I would show it off. And I, at a very young age, got a lot of my self-worth from things. And it's taken me a lot of time as an adult to go, you know what? I don't want fancy purses. I don't want fancy shoes. I want money. Yeah. I want them. I'm, I'm shallow for money. So uh, you know, cause I, I just remember having like this sh- fancy Chanel person being like, I'm hungry. We can't eat this thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't go to the doctor and I didn't have health insurance and I didn't go to the dentist and I didn't get braces when I needed braces. You know, my family, we didn't do sort of the less sexy, less glamorous things with money. It was a lot about the really showy superficial mm-hmm. stuff. So it took me a long time to rewire my brain that money should be used for things that nobody knows, you know, the more it's, it should be more more, it shouldn't be so conspicuous. But that's what I learned growing up. We didn't really have allowance. Um, you know, I th- think I'm trying to I'm trying to think. No, we we kind of got had like a weird reward system. You know, where we would grades was a big thing. You would like get a gift if you had good grades. But I agree with you. I didn't know that much about money. I didn't know how it worked. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where it was. Um, I just knew that everyone in the neighborhood needed to think you had it, whether you had it or not. Yeah. And what do you feel like? I mean, obviously, it's hard because when you're younger, you're in school, you're not necessarily talking about finances with your friends. But do you feel like your friends also 
maybe had that pressure to sort of present like we are really financially well off and we don't worry about anything. Yes, totally. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember the pumps came out, the, were they the Reebok pumps or something? And all the kids had them. And, you know, I think there's a certain primal urge to Mm -hmm. fit in, you know, um, that is a part of that. But yes, the area that I came from in Washington, D.C., it was, it was so much pretending, you know, I think Mm -hmm. when I look on Instagram and I see this like, authenticity moment it's so wild to me because we all just wanted to be little robot clones of each other everyone wanted to be exactly the same there was no like be yourself everyone else is taken like there was none of that shit you know (laughs) when I was growing up it was just like be a carbon copy of the popular girl um but yeah there was uh uh, and also D.C. is I think people forget it's it's a very shallow place. It's like L.A. But politics, you know, are arguably shallower. So it was a lot of, you know, it was a, a lot of the conditioning was look a certain way so that a rich man won't think you want him for his money. <laughs> wow. That There's is a lot, a lot to walk around and think about and be a person when you're so concerned with things like that. That is. We get wow. that conditioning so young, even yeah. when we, you know, of Disney movies and romantic comedies and all that, but just the look a certain way so that men don't think you need them, which is how to attract them, which is if you have your own money, they don't think you want their money and you're not a gold digger. I mean, that was, you know, that was like a big part of what was being sort of inculcated subconsciously. Ooh, which I think is Kate. Oh, excuse me. Hashtag <laughs> Frasier. I'm sure they use that word um, in one of their uh, set pieces. But uh, yeah, there were. I just I remember thinking like you have to look rich even if you're not rich, and stuff matters because it lets other people know. It helps manipulate other people, and it puts you in a, cl- a certain class that you need mm. to be in. Yeah, so and gross. Then, I mean, it's so gross. But it's sort of like. The foundation of society is all about get money, get rich, kind of show it off. Yeah, show it off, make people feel bad, make people want to aspire to be you, even if you don't really like yourself. If other people (laughs) like you, that's close enough, you know? I'll outsource my self-esteem, totally. And not that Mm -hmm. shopping's bad and getting things that you like and want and, you know, are bad, but I'm now at a point where I, you know, like, you know when you, like... How uh, like tech billionaires always just dress in the old New Balance and they just <laughs> in an old Volvo. Like I was always like, what's and I'm like, yes, that's how you stay rich. You don't spend your money, you yeah. know. And so I, it's taken me a long time to resist needing to buy things to feel a value, to feel like I'm enough, and to make people think I, you know, I have to be right with myself of being like, yeah. I know who I am and buying this whatever these $300 jeans why are jeans $300 now like is not if someone likes me for that it's not a good friendship anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so I think there's just a and then there's a lot of the pink tax stuff you know there's a lot of being the girl and spending more money on makeup and pink razors cost more than blue razors and you know the whole thing and I think because I was a tomboy as a kid um you know, my dad raised me mostly and he kind of wasn't prepared to have a girl. So he kind of just raised me like a boy. And then I think I really wanted to overcompensate by mm-hmm. buying all the makeup and all the hair stuff. And and that ends up being incredibly expensive. I mean, that's something that as women, we really, really have to look at in terms of the way we spend our money. 
Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I had about 2009 to like 2017 where I was just really in a just vicious cycle of debt. And I would get out, like get my head above water and be, be right back under. And, you know, I think like even in those moments, I was still like, I have to look presentable. I still have to get makeup. I still have to go to his hair salon so I can get my braids and like all these things like, and and not that I think it's a gender thing, but I do think that men can be poor and look it and it's fine. Women cannot. In fact, it's hot, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, uh, you're a 10. Yeah, because um, like he's hot, but he doesn't know he's hot, and he's so he's such a project. Like it's so <laughs> endearing. Yes, I mean it's actually we make fun of men when they groom themselves. Like we yeah. are actively incentivizing them to not spend money on that stuff. When a guy has pomade, we're like, Ugh. you know, like it's <laughs> it's so true, you know. And I think that that's you know when I look back at the way I spent money, I'm like, God, if I had spent the money that I was spending on self tanners and, you know, zit cream and all that stuff on therapy, (laughs) 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 investing in my mental wealth, uh, you know, that would have been such a game changer. And I know this sounds so boomer and so old, but truly I was, I had bills and collections up until I was like 27 Mm. from dental appointments because I didn't take care of my teeth. Like, honestly, the amount of money you will waste if you don't just take care of yourself early, just the five minutes a night of flossing that I know this sounds disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm a pig. (laughs) But that I truly never did because I was too busy focusing on other things, taking care of other people that later in life, I mean, led to I mean, I had like eight thousand dollars in collections (gasps) from cavities and stuff because I just didn't take care of myself, you know, so you can actually save money by taking care of your health (laughs) and taking care of your mental wealth, you know, just sort of investing in yourself instead of a purse or a freaking crystal water bottle that's going to, you know, be trash in (laughs) six months even. (laughs) And so, you know, we're talking a little bit about like sort of shame and feeling guilty about money Whenever, what was like your lowest point when it came to money? Like whether it was like a massive amount of debt and sort of how did you process it? Did you talk about it with anyone or did you just keep it all bottled up? No one ever knew. This is, this is truly like the first time I'm talking about it. Wow. I never, I was truly, my friends Dory, Dory and Ginny, remember, I used to go to dinner with them and they always thought I had an eating disorder, which I did. But I would always just order, we'd go to a fancy restaurant, I'd order like ice water and I'd be like, oh no, I'll just have the bread that they bring and butter. Mm -hmm. And then I would like pretend that I didn't feel well or had a migraine just so that I didn't have to split the bill because I would say from 22 to 25, I probably, I had about $20 all the time in my bank account. And then if you do the overdraft fee from, it's like that was my kind of like, between the overdraft fees and then the bills and then whatever. And I would sell clothes at Buffalo Exchange. And I was doing, I mean, Two Broke Girls, like those were all stories from things that I actually did, pharmaceutical trials. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in TV audiences for 50 bucks at talk shows. Um, I would do uh, these 
um, focus groups for products, mm-hmm. you know, like Nutrigy. You sign up and you get on this list, which for anyone listening, it's actually a great way to make a quick 50 bucks. I don't know what they're doing right now with, with obviously the pandemic, but, you know, they give you a, they send you a face wash, which I kind of needed anyway. And uh, <laughs> they would, then you'd come in and you'd talk about it. People would ask you questions and they'd give you 50 bucks cash, you know? So I was doing that kind of stuff all the time. I started writing jokes for comedians. Um, and that's when I really started being able to make money because I realized I could charge, you know, $100 a page or whatever it was. But I would say the rock bottoms were, you know, there was a lot of locked my key in my car and couldn't afford AAA or like, you know, it's really, it, you know, my friend Ginny always said to me, savings aren't for luxury. Savings are for catastrophes, like when things go wrong. Yeah. You know, you don't save money to, you know, go to the Bahamas. You save money when you get a flat tire, when you need a root canal, when you, you know, get a tooth broken or something. So I never had any of that wiggle room. I never had cushions. So when I would get a flat tire or car accidents, that was a big one. This is actually maybe a pretty good rock bottom, actually. <laughs> I, this is, I've never told this story. I had a car that I, you know, someone loaned me or something, or I, I bought for like a very small amount of money. I couldn't afford to go into the parking garage where you'd have to pay 12 bucks or whatever for parking. I was going to a commercial audition. I parked and I couldn't afford money for the meter. So I parked in like an illegal zone mm. and I walk away to go to my commercial audition, right? And I hear this like huge crash. <sighs> And a wardrobe truck had backed into the car that I had. It was like a Daewoo, like one of those cars that like is made by a company that makes like Walkmans. And they just (laughs) made, it was literally day, it was like a Sony car. Like I don't even know uh, uh, how it was produced and totaled the car. And my friend Dory came to get me. And said, okay, we need to, and my license was expired because I couldn't afford to renew my license. So we go down to the DMV. We have to go get my license out. I had $800 in tickets. You have to pay tickets in order to get your license, right? She pays for that. Couldn't afford a car. But I had become friends with Jennifer Love Hewitt from the show Punked. She had an extra car. She let me drive her car around. What I didn't know back then, it was like a big fancy car paparazzi like new people's car so I almost died many times being driven off the road by paparazzi who thought I was Jennifer Love Hewitt and I was like no no I'm nobody I'm nobody like and don't kill her either but like you know and I just remember being like I'm in someone else's car like completely not in control of my life being chased by paparazzi I'm not even famous they don't even know me like and you know, so it, it's that it's those kind of moments, those, you know, those I have a cavity and I can't chew on the left side of my mouth because I can't afford to go to the dentist. So I'm just going to chew on the right side. It's almost those moments you get accustomed to it mm. and don't actually fix it, you know, because I think humans are amazing. We can acclimate to tricky circumstances a lot, but that doesn't mean we should. Yeah. Um, and having that kind of fortitude is is really beneficial in in some ways. But, you know, I had this, uh, like, foot problem for a while. And I remember being in um, a writer's room in the, one of my first jobs. I think it was Car- last call Carson Daly. I was, I, it was my first job as a writer. And I remember being in the room, and I would have these, like, spasms in my foot because uh, I had a broken toe that I had never fixed. Wow. And 
one time it happened and I was like, oh, it's my toe. Oh, my God. Ah! And I'm like screaming. And then everyone's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, nothing. It's just I have this weird toe thing. And then I was like, all right, let's keep pitching. And they were like, what was that? And I was like, oh, no, I just broke a toe and never fixed it. And they're like, you need to go to the doctor today. We'll pay for it. Like, you're not doing this, you know? So I think that for me, it was really the fact that I never took care of my health. It was all about purses and shoes and bags and cute tops and was never investing in my own uh, body and health. And it still haunts me to this day. And so now that you clear, like, you know, the Whitney that I know now, you are very, you're very, is it pragmatic or practical? Whatever the word is. It's a P word. But you're, yeah. you're not, you're not frivolous. You know what I mean? Like you're on point. And yeah. so I'm sort of, I'm curious as to what your journey was to get to this place where you really, I feel like you had to, you have to sort of rewire the way you think about money in order to yeah. Get out of debt and get in a place that is fine. Like I used to, my yeah. first apartment by myself, I had like a giant mold problem in my bathroom ceiling for like a year and a half. And I was just like, Whoa. well, you, that's just what it is. Because yep. you're, you know what I mean? You're just like, yes. What What can you do? That's what just What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting. Like, you know, I think sometimes it's an incredible skill to be able to choose your battles, right? Mm-hmm. To uh, a masterful retreat is sometimes the best strat- battle strategy, knowing when to surrender, but also knowing when to say, you know what, fuck this. I feel like right now in 2020, just in general, hopefully socially, we're all going, you know what, fuck this. We've gotten used to that. Like we were just like, oh yeah, there's mold in the ceiling. Let's not like, I think in general on many levels, we're all we've all are like, we need to deal with the fucking mold on the ceiling. Yeah. Like metaphorically, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's been mold on the ceiling for too long. And I think a lot of us are like, Oh, well, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to change it? It's like, yeah, we are. You know, I think there's a little bit of a sea change just happening in terms of our consciousness with that. And I think we should always sort of think that way. You know, I think, you know, for me, I, when I first got money, I spent it. And I don't know if this is going to help people at all. I spent it on family members. You know, I had family members without health insurance who got sick. If you, when you start making money and you have family members, I would say the first and best investment you can possibly make is make sure they have health insurance. It will Mm. save you money. So I didn't do that. I bought them, you know, places to live and I'm getting them Whole Foods cards and I'm, you know, trying to be like, you know, uh, take care of my family, which by the way, I don't necessarily recommend that. Um, as Chris Rock said once, uh, when you loan people money, it's only a matter of time before they start to hate you. You have to be careful with that. You know, you have, it's a gift. It's never a loan. I made a lot of mistakes in that area. Um, and I definitely bought a cup, like the fancy boots or the whatever, the fashionable thing. And I think I just was like, Oh, this just doesn't work. Like it didn't work. Mm. I always wanted this expensive purse and I have it and I'm still sad or I'm still, yeah. you know, it's still, it didn't fix sexism. It didn't, like, <laughs> it didn't, like, it, like, oh, like it didn't fill the hole. Like it, yeah. did, I don't sleep better. I don't feel better. I'm, you know, my relationship isn't magically working, you know? And so I, I have learned to adapt sort of quickly and not do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. What I realized was that to me, I like to look at money as uh, a type of freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I want to keep as much of it as possible. You know, I think 
for me, being in a business where on a daily basis we're offered jobs that are either going to embarrass us or move the needle in the wrong direction or just be something we don't want to participate in Mm -hmm. or that we wouldn't be proud of. I never want to have to take a job that I believe is not aligned with my values because I need money, you know? So for me, my deal is the most revolutionary, rebellious thing you can do as a woman is save your money so that you then have the freedom to get out of a relationship if you want to. Um, Say no to a job that doesn't work for you. Quit a job that is degrading or not valuing you the way that you need to or you're not being treated, you know, with respect. So I think for me, I'm I'm a little bit of a hoarder with money um, and I'm proud of that. I have a scarcity complex that I actually am not trying to fix in myself. I I still like to live like I could lose everything tomorrow, which mm-hmm. is, I'm sure, catastrophic thinking, but it does work for me. You know, yeah. I do want to be able to go, okay, crazy things happened in the news two months ago. Yes, I can write a check and donate. Like, yes, I can do, you know, so for me, I like to save money. Um, Just because you have it doesn't mean you need to spend it. And I have like a couple little rules. Like if I really want something, you know, that's really nice, I'll wait three days to see if I still want it. And Mm -hmm. if I still want it, I'll go back. And if my size is sold out, it wasn't cool anyway because everyone else wanted it. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's like it's like for me it's like porn. You know, like I I go. I mean, I send you clothes all the time. I'm always yeah. on shopping sites, but I think sometimes, you know, the biggest uh, hit I can get of sort of spending dopamine is to put a bunch of stuff in my cart. And then just like log out. Yes. It, I love doing that. It yes! is so fun. It is the it's best. A, but you think you've made $500? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, you just didn't spend it. I'm like, I just made 500 bucks. I know you did <laughs> And, you know, so I like to play a little game with myself, you know, because I also, when I spend money, I do feel shame. I do. I feel this little hit of shame. If it's something I don't need and if it's something that's just like – what am I doing? Why am I buying this expensive thing so other people think I have money? What am I doing? Like, ugh. Like, who's this person? And I now realize that, like, I feel good and proud when I don't buy something Mm. that I was going to get just to try to, like, impress people or whatever on Instagram. So um, I now just try to get – if I feel shame, I try to just get out of there. Okay, so that's interesting. So even now through everything that you've been through with money and what you've educated yourself on, you still feel a little shame. Do you feel any sort of positive feelings when it comes to money? I think I feel when I make money and when I mm-hmm. keep money, I feel pr- when I save money and when I put money into a pension, you know, mm-hmm. so that I can pay less taxes. And then when I'm 60, I'll have money. You know, I think we're the first generation that really has any kind of you know, tools to of women to like build wealth and go, you know what, I'm going to save this so that when I'm 55, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm going to be set, you know, yeah. it's an investment in my future self. It's a form of self-care. Um, so setting up a pension was a really big deal for me. Setting up a savings account where I realized that the way my brain worked is that if I saw in my bank account that I had, say, $100, I thought I had $100. And then when tax man would come, uh, I would then all of a sudden have $50 and it would make me really upset and stressed out. And I would felt like I was getting robbed. So I set up a separate bank account where every time I get a check, which for a lot of people, money gets taken out of their check automatically. But like for us, we get it. 
I would just immediately take out 40%. So I never saw the money because I never had it. That yeah. helped me manage my expectations. And I wouldn't feel so violated <laughs> about it. And I would make better decisions about money knowing I had a little less. And another thing that's really helped me, and I never quite articulate it well, and you and I have talked about it before, but I hope I can say it properly. I had a business manager say to me, when you want to buy something, basically double the price of it because that's the amount of money you need to earn in order to afford it with paying taxes. So if I want to buy a shirt that's $50, I have to earn $100 to pay for the $50 with taxes. So all of a sudden, you just stop buying shit because you're like, yeah, that shirt to me was worth $50, not worth 100 but that's how much you have to earn in order to afford it. Yeah. So that really helped me with a lot of my shopping addiction shit. Do you feel like you still have a shopping addiction or do you feel like that's kind of like gone away because of COVID and just, you know, getting older and getting more mature and being like, oh, there's more to life than sort of like getting this quick hit of something? Yeah, like I definitely still have the ephemeral, like I definitely... I'm just going to admit this. I am I'm a deeply flawed person. I definitely buy a lot and return a lot because you can kind of get <laughs> you get the the hit, the shame hit, the dopamine, the adrenaline. You get to try it on and then you get to return it and you feel like someone should give you an award yeah. for having self-control. <laughs> like when I am like, "Oh, we're returning this." Like I expect there to be like a parade <laughs> of like a trophy, like someone should write me a check, like, you know, I'm not saying that's healthy, but it we're is a way same. to kind of- <laughs> We're the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to like get the fix without doing any real financial damage, which yeah. I, you know what? It is what it is. And sometimes I end up keeping maybe like 20% of it, right? Yeah. So I think I, I'm very careful to shop at a place that has a good return policy. And I do not keep my card on file. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep it on file and I'm like, oh, it's so easy. It's right there. It's but no, you got to. Yeah, it's too easy. Yeah. Is that top worth typing in 16 numbers, maybe <laughs> getting it wrong, having to start over expiration date, the code on the all of a sudden the jeans are so much less cute. Those shoes are ridiculous. They were so cute. 16 numbers ago. Now they're heinous. <laughs> So that is something I have to do because I will, if I'm scared, if I didn't get a job that I wanted or things didn't work out the way I wanted, I will try to check out by buying stuff, you know? Mm. So, and then by the time I type in that fifth number, I'm like, ah, screw this. Like, I really just need to be in my feelings and deal with this. Um, I, for me, the way that I spend my money now is about uh, longevity and things I'm going to have for a long time. So, and things that... Uh, contribute to my health. So investing in like good sheets, mm-hmm. pillows. I never spent money on stuff like that before. It was all, it was like, well, no one's going to see this. No one's going to see yeah. this stuff. Like this isn't, you know, like literally I have no men in my bed at all. Um, <laughs> it used to be like about shoes that I would wear twice and, you know, a top that I could really only wear once. And now it's like about underwear, sheets, bras, you know, food. Yeah. You know, because I had, you know, I was the person that was wearing, you know, expensive shoes and just eating trash. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, 
course not. So now I make sure to get, you know, healthy food and and things that are self-care oriented therapy. That's a place that I, you know, spend my money. I'm openly in a 12-step program, which is free therapy, which is great. But also, you know, um, I make sure that I go to therapy so that I'm, you know, investing in myself. I like I like to say that I'm successful in the money I spend if no one knows I spent it. Because it's all invisible. It's like invisible spending. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like on my mental health, it's on my sleep, it's, you know, and also in my time and my self care, you know, I do have, you know, someone that helps me do certain things. And that's also worth spending, you know, my money on. Someone that you goes, mean okay, an I'm assistant? Gonna... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Why were you being so cagey about it? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I have someone who helps me. I was like, who, what the fuck? <laughs> we call him a caretaker because I believe he's gone from assistant to full on caretaker at this point. <laughs> he chews up my food for me. Uh, no, I, because he's so much more than that. And uh, I, because uh, I, I have shame. I literally have shame about saying I have an assistant. I have. Oh, and I, here's, here's what I say about that. Don't have shame about it because what I hate more than anything is people who act like they could do everything, run their empire. And you could do that because you have a team of like five or six people. Just also, why it. can't you delegate? There's no one, there's <laughs> no one competent enough to help you. That's how sophisticated your operation is you control freak yes i do have an amazing assistant who helps me and that is truly such a uh a good use of money because it helps me not go bald with stress yeah and it's also amazing because you get to bring in someone else who has so much talent and they can discover all these things about them. So when they eventually move on, they will just, you know what I mean? And that's like sort of like your way of paying it forward is like, I had to hustle and struggle and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, I want it to be a little bit easier for you. you yes. Know? Yeah. yeah, totally. And, you know, and I think that also having someone around you, you know, I think it's important to have, I, I always like to hire people that are very different than me that come from uh, different places and go like, what are you doing? You don't have to do that. Just go to Joanne's Fabrics. It's going to be way less expensive. You know, he actually brings so much to the table in in terms of saving money, which Mm -hmm. is super, he teaches me so much every day. So I hope it's somewhat symbiotic because the goal is always to mentor someone that can then run your company at some point, you know, build, you see potential in someone that you can build up and hopefully I'll, you know, get to work for him one day. Ooh, oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Something else that I, I just wish I had heard <laughs> yeah. sooner. You're not asking me about this, but I was going to throw it out in terms of money. <laughs> I was going to ask you, but thank you for asking the question and answering it. I don't have to do anything. I was just going to say, I hate when people do that. When people are like, how do I do it? Let me tell you. What do I think? <laughs> Let me tell um, I was going to say real estate. And if if your apartment is in too cool of a place, move. <laughs> Like, I wasted so much money trying to live in an area that was cool. And I was able to save enough money to buy a house in an area where people made so much fun of me. If you're not being made fun of about where you live, you got to move is my my theory. (laughs) You should not be paying for someone to think you live in a cool area. I mean, the amount of money that the racket of just to live in a, you know, swanky area tacking $1,000 onto someone's rent because it's, you know, a cool area. I 
made a very good decision that was very hard for me because I live for everyone's approval and I really wanted to be conveniently located and I really wanted people to think I was hip or whatever. But I uh, moved from West Hollywood where I was paying rent that was basically a mortgage. If your rent's a mortgage, sit down with someone and talk about money, you know? I bought a house in a place called Studio City. My area code changed. People were like, Ugh, you're an 818 loser. I mean, I was mocked. I was made fun of. I mean, I clearly needed new friends. But I was able to buy in an area that wasn't cool. It was a bunch of, like, families. No one wanted to come see me. I sold it 10 years later and was able to make money off of it in a way that, you know, I never thought that I would be able to make like savvy real estate decisions, but it actually wasn't that hard. And all I had to do was be willing to live in an area that people like didn't think was cool. And I did it again with where I live now in an area. I love your house. It is so, it's so peaceful. It's very quiet. And I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's good energy. Thank you. But a lot of people don't think to move to this area. And I paid probably half of what I would if this house was deeper in the city in a cool area. You know, it's like move to where it's going to be cool. Like be the first person to go to a place that's going to be cool, you know, when you're looking at apartments and and real estate in general. You know, I think that's a big part of making money is is being willing to obviously take big risks, uh, work harder than anyone, and in terms of your investments, maybe not be the cool kid at the table, but you'll be the one with the money later. Yeah, when I when I got this apartment, I bought it two years ago, and awesome. you sort of you sort of go, oh, okay, I know what I could spend, and I was like, I want to spend twenty percent less. And I think a lot of times when people are like, oh, I'm going to buy a home, I can get a loan for this much, so yeah. I'll get for that much, and it's like. Go- Live below your means. It would have been great if I had a, a balcony or like an extra bedroom. But yes. also my mortgage is not, it's not, especially during COVID where I'm not yep. just, I'm not touring. My mm-hmm. show got shut down. I'm not like production, everything. I can afford to live here because it's so like, it's such a low price. Live below your means. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. the, you know, I, I can't stress enough. It's like as someone that lived paycheck to paycheck and was every morning woke up like, how am I going to make $20 today to be able to, you know, is that having money is there's nothing more calming than knowing if I didn't have to work for, you know, if a catastrophe happened, I would be okay, you know? Yeah. And that that's something that, you know, people make fun of me. They're like, how come you don't, you know, go on more trips or why don't you spend your money? I'm like, because I want to have it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to give it to someone else. You don't want to be know? terrified and, that you're going to lose it and then everything's, you're, you're screwed for like several years the way you were before, the way I was before. It's like me not thinking about the future, me just being like, I, before we go to uh, audience questions, I'll tell you this and then you can say like your final thoughts. But I remember in tw- 2008, there was the... Um, there was Crash. the uh, the recession, yes, and yeah. so I got like a nice, like a a nice enough severance from being like an admin assistant at this indie film company, and I got I was in my my own apartment. It was like my first time living solo. I've been there for maybe like I don't know a year, and I was like, you know what. I'm going to get another job. I'm young. I know it's a recession, but I'm young. I'm going to be totally fine. And I 
blew through my like sort of severance package like it was a salary and I was like I'll just take cabs home from shows late at night and I'll eat out and Mm -hmm. I can get like this lamp from CB2 and it's like bitch get a lamp from Target yep go to Target they have cute lamps Target has cute lamps don't use your severance money because you're like oh I know it's a recession but it's not going to affect me it's it was totally like I was ignorant I was 26 or 27 and well, I thought I would just be fine you know what I mean and it's just I those bought things a you leather do. jacket that has a snakeskin lightning bolt on the back <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've all been there we've all done it uh, and you know but I but it didn't work My life magically didn't get better. You know, I think that things and experiences, things and self-care, if you need to take a cab home because it's dangerous to walk or something, like, go for it, you know? But if it's that pair of shoes that... It's so funny. I was... um, talking to I did a uh, a graduation speech Mm -hmm. at uh, Annenberg where I went to school in in Philadelphia and the whole speech was about how no one gives a shit what you wear in a job interview I have interviewed as of you I mean hundreds of people literally hundreds and there are times I'll go who is that girl earlier or auditioning people or whatever Mm -hmm. who is that girl never once it's like the girl in the red shirt the cute with the shit like black shirt (laughs) Great black sweater, great pair of black pants, jeans, great pair of flats. You know, no one's giving you the job because you got that $300 top. You know, keep your money, spend your money on a few clean basics. Zara. Zara thrift stores. Like, I still shop at thrift stores because I just prefer kind of older things. Um, But there are so many ways to sort of save money. And, you know, I was just with Esther um, Pavitsky, comedian, like she started doing these tie dye shirts and started selling them on Shopify, like also figuring out which of your hobbies are actually businesses. Yeah. You know, that's another thing that I, I find fascinating. Anything that you're kind of doing anyway, like, I think always ask yourself, is this a possible business? Yeah. And I think just like if you're in your 20s, just don't be so casual with money in a way where you're like, oh, I can like overspend and everything will work itself out because that's how I ended up in so much credit card debt because I was yeah. like, well, I'm young. It'll be fine. Yeah. And then you wake yeah. up and you're 30 and you're still wrestling with debt that you acquired six, seven years ago. No, and it's the just, generation it's above us is a disaster. They <laughs> fucked everything up. There's no white knight coming in. <laughs> Save your money. Like yeah. you, there may not be universal health care available to you. Um, you know, save your money, figure out a way to get health insurance. Ooh, okay, that's a great way. Thank and don't you. ride those those razor scooters. <laughs> that sounded personal. What happened to you? <laughs> I know so many people who like are in debt because they freaking just hurt themselves. Like got on one of those, you know, one of those scooters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a boomer. Do we even make them anymore? Did COVID think, cancel the scooters? I think, lime lime scooters. Oh, bird scooters. Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're still around. I think Segway is going out of business though. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I agree. <laughs> okay. This was like Uh-oh. such a good conversation. People are going to love it. I want to go to my favorite part of the show, which is don't make the face. 
Spiral, it's, spiral, spiral. No, it was so good. It was so honest. And I think my big thing is like, I want everyone to be able to talk openly and honestly about money and not be stressed about it and yeah. not worry about dr- judgment. Cause it's like, if someone's going to judge you, then they're a fucking idiot. Like yeah. no one knows about money except for like Warren Buffett and like business managers. We all have to learn and it's okay. Let me tell you, know you I mean? honestly, I think money is the most taboo topic. If you mm-hmm. and I, if you were like, Hey, so how do you like to have sex? I'd be like, like we can have that conversation. <laughs> we can talk about blowjobs. We can talk about yep. religion. We get money is the most uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you ask someone, Hey, how much money do you have? That is the most uncomfortable triggering thing, you know, you yeah. can do. So I, I hope I was clear and authentic and helpful. You were so good. And so this is why I want to go to audience questions. We got a bunch of really good questions in. So we're just going to get into it. People are really excited to get your perspective on because you're actually like super honest as fuck. Okay. So first question is from Carol. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay. So Carol writes, (laughs) (laughs) how do Um, I get my husband's bones out of a tiger's stomach? (laughs) Okay. So Carol writes, I grew up in a single mother household and was Mm -hmm. always pressured to work hard and make money so that one day I could Mm -hmm. pull a Cardi B or J Cole and buy my mom a house. Well, LOL, here I am, almost 30, and nowhere near even affording a place without roommates. The pressure to provide for my mom is very real and has even resulted in me agreeing to give her multiple credit cards in my name so she can build her dream business. How do I express the financial and emotional stress this is causing me without feeling guilty? Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one, Carol. And I, uh, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really savage and in, um, sensitive, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as someone I have taken care of my mom, she had a stroke. So it's kind of an extenuating circumstance. Like, you know, I'm in a 12 step program called Al-Anon and it's all about how we, uh, we're sort of, you know, same thing, grew up, single mom, lots of single women, lots of, you know, dysfunction where I had to be the an adult, I had to be the adult very early. And we tend to have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility. We tend to parent our parent. We tend to uh, have a system that's driven by guilt. Um, it took me a long time to learn that parenting's a one-way street. The parent's the parent mm. and the child's the child. And the idea is you know, they entered into an agreement with the universe that they would care for their child and they would be the adult. So I would say get into an Al-Anon room, which helps Mm -hmm. uh, give tools of how to say no, how to set boundaries, how to not be driven by guilt, how to not let people manipulate you, how to detach with love so that you don't feel the overdeveloped sense of responsibility with people. I mean, the hardest part sometimes about making uh, any kind of money and being solvent is wanting to help everyone. And it actually doesn't help them. It enables them. It makes them resent you. It Trust me, it'll turn into, oh, you think you're better than me? Every time they look at you, they'll just see the person that they owe money to. It mm. makes them feel bad. They think you think you're superior. It just toxifies the relationship. And, you know, it's uh, it's not your responsibility because you're the child is, is what I would say. 
But this is also someone who my mom had a stroke. I pay for her medical care, but I really have to draw boundaries. You know, she has a a, a debit card because I also know that she didn't have tools either. She wasn't taught about money either. You know, she was taught to find a man to take care of her. She didn't have a game plan. So I have so much compassion for her and it breaks my heart that I can't, you know, give her everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but she's got a uh, uh, ATM card that only has, you know, has a limit on it per month. And you have to really figure out what the boundaries are going to be to preserve the relationship and what you're doing. I, I, there's truly nothing harder than having to say no to a parent. (laughs) Yeah. And also I know Carol writes, I'm almost 30 and nowhere near even affording a place without roommates that take that judgment off the table just like yes. get rid of it be kind to yourself like these arbitrary sort of you know you read all these kind of like business magazines or articles online and it's like by 25 this should happen by 30 you should be doing this by 40 mm-hmm. you should have this it's just like everyone's Mm-mm. circumstances are different people are paying That's off right. student loans people mm-hmm. like you and me are like hustling in creative industries where you make you don't make money for so many years so this sort of like mentality that like by 30 i need to be able to have x amount of money to be able to buy a house just take that pressure off that is bullshit societal pressure and just look at your life and know that your life is going to be different than other people's and not have that sort of kind of mindset because i think it just that also gets in the way as well i don't know totally yeah Yeah. what is this thing where having roommates is pejorative like yeah you know especially as a woman living alone can be scary and weird and if they're great people that's awesome you have an emotional support system you know it's a i do think we have this weird like um roommates you know yeah thing which yeah i think is just like a weird unnecessary stigma yeah. So that was great advice. Get an Alan on. Be kind to yourself. And maybe even just have a, 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 a nice, like, I guess several conversations with your mom to be like, this is what this does to me. I want us to be in a good place, but we have to set up certain. Like, I know it's hard to do, but. I'm saying this as someone who has not succeeded in taking the advice I'm giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're younger and you've got a shot at this. Something that I did help me just as I'm hearing the question. Someone said to me once, this therapist, that guilt is the most useless emotion it doesn't uh, fear you can alchemize into energy and ambition. And, you know, there are certain emotions, anxiety you can channel into working hard or like guilt really serves absolutely no purpose. It doesn't help anyone. <laughs> it's just sort of um, something that helped me because uh, I was like, oh, yeah, there's just no point of feeling this. It doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. You should maybe you should be a Frasier as well. absolutely not i'm regurgitating (laughs) things that much smarter people said to me (laughs) okay Lindsay from sydney australia i'm not gonna try and do the accent because i sydney australia (laughs) did that sound like anything (laughs) did that sound like anything It sounded like you being adorable. (laughs) I do not do accents in a way that's like, like, it's not even funny. It's like sad. I don't even try. So that was better than 
anything I could have attempted. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> All right, Lindsay writes, um, if you are a pal with slightly more disposable income than your pal and you want to treat them to experiences or travel but want to cover the cost, do you pretend it's less dollars offer to pay with no strings attached or just or um, just slip in the credit card where you can? Who, you know, as I've gotten older, I've definitely been more into experiences rather than just like wasting money. Like I would rather be with my friends somewhere special that I can remember and look back yeah. on. I think you have to but be if we careful. go on a trip, you have money, I don't. Yeah. Who's paying for what? Yeah. You need to have a conversation or you need to be like, I'm covering everything. Girls trip to Palm Springs. If you want to do that, that is fine. But also understand that if you do do something like that, your friends might mentally like file that away for information later and be like, oh, she got money. And you You have to make sure that the person who does have the more disposable income isn't keeping score Mm, and mm -hmm. expecting their behavior to be a certain way because they owe you in some way. She didn't call me back. I paid for the trip to Palm Springs. You're not allowed to hold that over anyone's head either. Like your money can't have strings attached either. Mm -hmm. So make sure your motives are clean. Yeah. You know, I've definitely been in relationships with people that had more money and it was a lot. I, I never feel comfortable with women other friends paying for my stuff because I'm so afraid of relationships getting toxic. Yeah. But there is also something about like, oh, I'll get this one. You'll get the next one, which is like, you know, things are always going to just be uh, uneven in a good way. You know, Mm -hmm. like we Mm -hmm. don't keep score here. But I think I think it would depend on what the trip is. If it's something really extravagant, that could get really, really sticky. Yeah. But if it's just like, you know. I would say like any, uh, this is totally arbitrary, but I'm just, I'd say any more than like 200 or 300 bucks, I'd just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe have it be like, oh, I got these concert tickets. Okay. Yeah. But, oh, we're going to go to, you know, Africa for a safari. Don't. Maybe. Don't. Don't. But you know what else I like to do? You know, my friend Dory, the one that paid for my $800 parking tickets, Mm -hmm. I basically said to her I was young and I had no I can't believe that I sort of had the wherewithal to even say that but I remember saying like I I will pay you back one day for this I can't now like what else can I do can I help you move can I help you reorganize Mm. your bookshelf can I help you can I cook for you one night you know it was just sort of like I how can I kind of repay this in a way that I don't feel indebted to you or weird and that we're still equal yeah. And I remember yeah. I alphabetized her bookshelf by color. It took fucking forever, honestly. Yeah. I feel like I should. <laughs> I feel like I need to Venmo her for that. But I like did something else, even if she was just like doing me the favor so that I didn't feel weird. And then I ended up paying her back over like, you know, a couple years later. But you can also offer to go, you know what? If you're paying, I'll plan it. I'll do the logistics. I'll, like you can also make it so that uh, your friend that has more money isn't doing all the work and paying for it. Yeah. Acts of service are so underrated, but they're highly appreciated. Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Like if you handle the reservations and you handle all the logistics, like I'll cover the cost. Yeah. You know, that feels fair. Well, Lindsay, that was great. Good day. Good, Good day.
Hi. <laughs> I think we've lost all the listeners. Let's try again. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh my god, we're such freaks. Sorry, Lindsay. I'm gonna send um, that to Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I want to get to this one. This one's really, really good. Okay. So this is from Danielle, who's in LA. As an artist with the uncertainty of acting gigs, what's the best way to save slash make money during the quarantine? Also, in the age of IG and TikTok, does Whitney have any tips on how to monetize a social media brand? Mm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. It's a really good question. And I wish I had an answer for someone that didn't. Like, I already had some content, to be fair, to post. Mm Stand-up special, you know. But I think, you know, everybody can build a brand for themselves, whether Mm -hmm. it's 4,000 followers, 10,000 followers, 50,000 followers, 10 million followers. And from what I understand, all these companies are just, they're not necessarily looking for big numbers. They're looking for big engagement. So you know how sometimes you'll go to a famous person's profile and they'll have Mm -hmm. 5 million followers, whether they're bot or not, who cares? I don't know enough about that. And then they only have like 1,000 comments. Which, that sounds like a lot, but for 5 million, that's not a lot. So the engagement's actually not high. So if you have 1,000 followers, and when you post, you get 500 comments, that's like 50% engagement. So it's not about your number of followers. It's about your relationship and the quality of that relationship with your followers. So I don't think you have to have a huge, huge following. That'd be great, and go for it. In order to monetize your social media, you just have to care enough, be specific enough, look at your insights, look at your analytics, and really figure out what your fans are responding to. Engage with them. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we look at the, you know, even as far back as, you know, Dane Cook and Kevin Hart, these are people that very openly said, I engaged with my fans, I yeah. texted the, or I con- I responded to their Facebook messages. I responded to their Twitter DMs. Like these are people that put in the time to really develop a relationship. And you know Joe Rogan, like he's very openly he's been doing this for you know so long, but a lot of it's word of mouth. You know you have getting a smaller number of people to care is more important than a lot of people who kind of meh. When you come into town to perform, they're sort of like, yeah, I like her, but like, I'm not going to go out of my way to buy a ticket or whatever. Yeah. You want someone that's like, my Phoebe's in town. We're all fucking going. I'm getting the crew together. And like, you know, we're going to bring our books and she's going to sign them. You need that. So I would, you know, I see people all the time that I follow who have, you know, this is going to sound really tacky and make me look bad, but that's what, that's my brand, um, <laughs> who only have like 30,000 followers and they'll have a paid partnership with like a sunglass company and I'm like the fuck how come I didn't get you know like I'm always you know just sort of and then I'm like oh yeah they have a very these companies are looking for ways to spread out their advertising Mm -hmm. uh in a more targeted way so if you have a very specific group of people and if you've made a specific enough brand whether it's you bake cookies or you make a jewelry or whatever you do 
you know, it's going to make it easier for advertisers to go, oh, you are so, when you post something, your fans listen. When you mm-hmm. talk, they listen. They hang on your every word. They don't miss a post. They care. That's more important than having huge numbers where they're kind of like, ah, you know, I followed her, but like, I don't really like, she's inconsistent and I don't feel emotionally connected to her. Do Instagram lives, um, you know, because that brings your, what's it called? The little bubble Mm -hmm. up top. (laughs) I was like, yeah, grandma, the little (laughs) bubble. circle like it brings your profile up you know it's really about engagement it's about putting in the time and it's like the amount of time you spend just scrolling other people's or screwing around you could be dming people back and really sort of connecting so i think it would be like just putting in that time with your fans and then and then tag i guess tag brands that you love that seems to kind of work and get their attention yeah that's great advice when you put out that you're willing to tag people and willing to do partnerships, I think you sort of gravitate it. Yeah, I like that. And shameless. Yeah, be shameless. And in terms of like making money, also blogging really helped me out a lot too. I know like some people like to look down on it because the pay's not great, but it connects you with people and you get a thought. Like there are still people who are like, oh my God, I used to read your recaps of Scandal from like, what was that? 2014? Love it. You know, like you just never know who's going to be into you. So I always say just write and get your stuff out there. Because if you're funny, especially right now when people are really just overtaxed with stress, they need that release. And if you can, yeah, yeah, write a good sentence, they'll love you forever, I feel like. And it's also, again, it's like I think in general, you know, fame is changing, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, it's like, I'll find out about someone who has 20 million followers. I'm like, how could I not, there's no such thing as universal celebrities anymore. You know, you either have never heard about someone before, or you know what they had for breakfast. There's like no in between anymore. (laughs) There are huge celebrities out there that we don't know of them, you know? So you don't have to appeal to everybody anymore. You don't have to be on network TV. You don't have to be sort of on the front page of, you know, Reddit or whatever it is, you know? Like you write your blog, you will find your people, you know? Like my favorite murder is one of the biggest podcasts. And if someone's like, what's that? And I'm like, oh, my God, how, yeah. can, you know, <laughs> they found their people, you know, yeah. and let word of mouth do its thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, good luck. Who was that again? Danielle. Good luck, girl. OK, so we have. Oh, this is actually a really good one. Okay, I really like this one. So this is from Tess in Dallas, Texas. She writes, I'm interested in socially responsible investments. How do you know if a company is a good choice? Ooh, that's tough because I feel like it's so hard to find out information about companies half the time. To do ethical investments. I'm sure there are resources. I'm sure there are resources out there that that are vet this kind of thing because yeah, you, I'm like, I want to invest in Burt's bees. And then you find out they're owned by Clorox and you're like, you know, it's, there's, Mm -hmm. it's so complicated. I'd say ask someone smarter than me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the investments, yeah, the investments that, that I've made, I do always try to vet. Like I ask, like, can it be a vegan meat company? Can we make Mm -hmm. sure it's someone that, you know, has diversity policies and they're hiring, you know, like, you know, I have someone that I can ask for that, but, but we should, we should really look into what resource would provide that. Yeah. Cause I just don't know. 
Yeah, I don't either. So I guess just Google. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't invest in Google. Uh, I think they're taking our data and selling our data. But I also, I'm going to say something very unpopular. Okay. What's her name? What's her name? Tess from Dallas, Tess. Texas. Yes. Tess from Dallas, Texas. Also, just go get the money. <laughs> just get the money. I, I, I appreciate so much that you want to be socially responsible, but I just think right now a woman just getting money is social. Like, just we needed you to just get rich. <laughs> so <laughs> in the meantime, just invest in whatever because some guy's going to buy it if you don't and get rich. And then we're just in this cycle of a nightmare. So I also, you know, and then and then we'll have answers for you soon enough. But <laughs> I'm just saying just... <laughs> Why is it just, you know, this is just me ranting. It's like, why women, as soon as we get money, we have to like do it. We have to like be responsible. It's just like fucking, God damn it. Uh, get it at all, by any means necessary in the meantime until we figure out. Is that what out. Malcolm X meant? By any means necessary? <laughs> I just like it's annoying me that women don't get to do it the way men did it for so long. Yeah. And like now we have we're like not only doing it like ethically and with manners and fairly and like playing so nice. And yeah. it's just like <laughs> couldn't we just be scumbags for like a couple years? <laughs> greedy assholes. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like, say invest in like Sackler brothers like opioids, but you know. Yeah. I would say, uh, you know, you can always change your investments later. You can always make the investments, learn more, and take it out if it's something that is, uh, you know, evil, evil yeah. empire. Good luck, Tess. Okay, great. Good luck, our Tess. <laughs> our last question is from Monica, who's in Mexico. She writes, hey, Whitney, how do I break the paycheck to paycheck lifestyle whilst mm. trying to start a career slash work life in a creative field? Ooh, girl. I kind of want to say you kind of can't. Until you get to that place in your creative field where you can make that leap, you sort of are just like you get paid and then you're reinvesting into your the creative field. So you're not actually getting that money yet. And then a few years down the line, you will see the return that sucks because you have to go through those few years. But if you have the patience, yeah. I th it's worth it. But yeah. I just rem remember, I'm like, I was paycheck to paycheck for years. Like, me there too. just was no way around it for me. Me too. Know. And I would say the little things of just about saving money on dates, mm -hmm. go for hikes, go for coffees instead of dinners, you know, sort of stuff like that. Like, I remember... Being like, oh, I can't afford a gym membership. Like, I hike now. Like, you know, I mean, like, look for places where you can trim the fat. Like, look at your phone bill. Make sure you're not paying $50 more than you need to be paying. It's like, like, look at your financial hygiene now and see if mm -hmm. there's any way you can cut in the meantime while you're waiting to add. Um, and, you know, as interesting as, as, as you were saying that, like, you know, look into ways that you can make money out of what's maybe around you, whether it's uh, this is how I've made money for a long time, which is like you don't wear 80 percent of what's in your closet. You just don't. You say, like, I'm going to wear it one day. I swear I'm going to wear my prom dress again at some point. <laughs> this bridesmaid's dress. I'm sure I'm going to wear this again. You know, like 
I just, when I started just taking my clothes to the Buffalo Exchange, now it's like, you know, there's lots of websites for it. I see so many people being able to just like randomly make, you know, 80 bucks here, 100 bucks there um, on stuff. So look for ways that you're sitting on money kind of around you. And also just going to throw this out. See if there's any way you can ask for a raise. The worst you could hear is no. Mm. Yeah, I've learned that. I used to always be scared to sort of like negotiate or be like, oh, I don't know. And then more often than not, the person's like, okay. They're they, just, they'll agree to it. The money's usually there. It's just that yeah. if you don't ask, they're not going to offer. Yeah, they're like, why would I give you more money if I could just keep some of it? Which And I, see if you can do yeah. it in person. It's harder Ooh, for someone to say no to you in person. Yeah, that's true. It's hard. Practice yeah. on your friends. Rehearse it if you need to. But see if there's... Uh, a conversation about having a raise. Mm. It never occurred to me to ask for raises or any of that kind of stuff for the longest yeah. time. Yeah. Damn. I feel like, first of all, this was fantastic. Oh, gosh. I hope so. It was. It was so funny and real. And you're so likable and adorable and just like, you're like everyone's like favorite sister. You know what I mean? Like, you're just. <laughs> I love you. You have like those like cutting comments, but you're also like really like self-aware in a really wonderful way. So I, I thank you so much for doing Black Frage. I love you. And it's I my biggest too. nightmare is to bomb on a legitimate friends podcast. <laughs> like that's truly my nightmare. It's my actual nightmare <laughs> that we just never talk again. And you're like, God, that was boring. Um, but I also find that what you're doing is such a service, is such an important podcast. I didn't want to sort of like muck it up with like making a joke every five seconds. And everyone's like, we're trying to actually learn from this, you asshole. You know, so I think, you know, in general, I hope uh, I hope it was it was useful. Okay, you guys. You guys. Is that good? I've been practicing. Oi, guys! Oi, guys! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wasn't that just such a great conversation? I feel like I learned a lot from that. Like, that was so good. And I'm definitely going to take all of my credit cards off save. And if you can be bothered to type in those 16, is it 16 numbers? I can't be bothered to properly wipe my ass some days. You think I'm going to fucking slam wow. out my chase platinum card chase cardboard actually it's american express but i didn't want to flex <laughs> amex bitch <laughs> i don't i don't have time to type in 16 i like i would just never buy anything that's it i think that's a great way to like not no. spend money how about this i keep it i keep the 16 digit card number save mm. and i just go you know what not today like, I just have personal restraint. Why do I have to? Isn't the point of technology to memorize things so that then they can take over? What? <laughs> Babe. This just took a very weird <laughs> conspiracy theory turn. Here. I'm like... <laughs> but what I'm saying, truly, the robots or just AI will take over. Probably around the age of when I'm 60. At that point, I will have enough money saved to retire. I'll probably have some under my Casper mattress. Not a sponsor, but I'd be open to it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so we have money saved. So like if the robots, this is what's going to happen. We're I'm going back again. Hey. <laughs> this is gonna this happen. story has gotten wild. This, I'm just going to This is what's going to happen. Uh-huh. We are going to, we're going to start saving. We're going to start. <laughs> Gonna start saving. We're gonna say yes at thirty-five. Right. So I'm, you and I right now are gonna start saving money. Right. We're gonna. We're we gonna, haven't been already. No. We're gonna really try for generational wealth. <laughs> now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna save enough money. Fuck banks. Right. And <laughs> did, did you listen to this episode? I don't. What. <laughs> And then we're going to have enough money saved that we can live off the grid. We are going to <clears throat> build a cabin in Marfa, Texas. So then we're going to be able to live off the grid. So when the, all the robots are taking over, we're going to be in Marfa with our garden that we're but growing. I don't want to. It's just one idea. Right. So <laughs> what's that got to do with the 16-digit number on the back of your card? <laughs> And not saving that to your computer? It was a tangent I went off of. But the point, the moral, oh, here we of, go. The, the moral of the story is I refuse in the year 2020 mm-hmm. to... <laughs> Looks like you're thinking there. <laughs> Looks like you're trying to buy a little bit of time while you figure out your point. But please go on. I refuse to refuse. have to type in a 16 digit code. Who am I, Benji from the Mission Impossible franchise? You leave Benji out of this. <laughs> that man started with such a small role. <laughs> and look Simon what he's Simon Pegg. Cheers to Simon Pegg. Anyway, I don't want to type it in. Great. So here's my fingerprint. Uh, you know how some people are like, oh, I don't want, I'm my like, government know everything about me. Look. Give me my pap smears. I don't care. I just want to be able to, with one press of a button, subscribe to. <laughs> to what? What would you like to subscribe to? <laughs> in closing, I want to say, in all seriousness, this is an indie podcast. It's really just something that, British Bake Off and I want to do from the bottom of our hearts and we aren't taking ad dollars. And what I wanted to do instead was just take an opportunity for each episode as per use to shout out a black owned business that I really love and admire and I think is amazing and just give them a little bit of like shine. And so for today's episode, we are going to shout out my pride apparel. I love their t-shirts. They have, they're all really comfy, cozy cotton. They look so cute. You know, you'll have like real, they'll have like great cultural figures on them. They'll do really cool patterns. Um, um, Michelle is my forever first lady. Is like my favorite, mm. I think, shirt from them. I have it in purple. They have it in multiple colors. Anyway, my pride apparel. Look them up. They're on Instagram. They're fantastic. Um, and that is a black business that I want to represent today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Okay, time for credits, babe, right? Right. Okay. It's a long list, so strap in. Okay. Theme song, Gavin Turek. Host, Phoebe Robinson. Producer, Phoebe Robinson and British Bake Off. 
That's right. Editor, British bloody fucking bagel. Cheerio.